Hey, hey, hey there, Dowis. Welcome to the first episode of Dowing Impactful Conversations, brought to you in collaboration with Metagame and Impact Dows. And if you haven't heard or you don't know, Impact Dows Media is a Dow that studies Impact Dows. They just came out with their first book, a study of 12 Impact Dows, all the research and all the learnings. It's in written format. It's available for free, and it's also got its own podcast. And Metagame is a massively multiplayer online coordination game. If you haven't checked out either of those projects or you don't know anything about them, this podcast is perfect for you. We're going to be talking about Impact Dow's current progress in a very meta manner. We're also going to be integrating with Metagame and showcasing their operating system and becoming one of the first new houses of game chain, region, impacts. I don't know. Maybe you should decide what the name should be. Drop a comment down below when you're finished listening to this episode. In this episode today, we talked about being bossless. We talked about pod level governance. I had a fun time reflecting on season one of Impact Dows with our guest Seneca. And now here's Deepa with the next intro. This is me, Deepa. I initiated Impact Dow Media and Seneca also should I say your real name, Matthew, (laughs) is an OG of this team. He was there on day one of the launch when we launched on Zoom with a very basic plan of what we intend to do. After that, we basically just went to our Discord and spent some time there chatting and just building up on all the energy and the discussions that we had on the Zoom call. And that's how we got started as Impact Our Media. We've got Alchemist, who's just joining us right now. Hey, hey. So Alchemist, I'm doing an introduction of all of Impact Our Media, how we got started, how Matthew was part of the original team, and then you came along during the course of running this DAO, and you helped us co-host our Twitter spaces. We did a very important Twitter space with Alchemist in terms of defining what Impact DAOs are, so we got all the community people involved on that Twitter spaces, all the people who are engaged in the social impact space and DAO space to come and talk about what are the key characteristics of an impact DAO? And based on those discussions, we defined what impact DAOs are and that definition and that characteristics goes into our impact DAO book. So it was a community-driven process based on the understanding of people running impact DAOs. And Alchemist also hosted a couple of other critical podcasts for us. There was one on voting. How much should a DAO vote? And the other important one was on political ideologies and DAOs and which is a more appropriate ideology that relates to DAOs. It's definitely not democracy. It's not communism. It is a lot like communism. It's literally so Marxist, it hurts. Don't don't you do it. Mm-mm. Don't you think that? It's going to be a blended approach to how DAOs, you know, what ideology they should have apply. I've been asking Alchemist that maybe he should write the Tao Manifesto based on taking the best from some of these ideologies that exist and people know which one to follow or not to follow for that matter. So Alchemist, you're the host and do you want to go? Nice. How well do you think Impact Dows did season one? So I should probably 
disclose. With DAOs, and Deepa would be better to speak to this, but with DAOs, there's, there's different levels of, of contributor, generally. Some people like to think of it as circles rather than levels. My situation was I got involved and then realized, wow, I, I can't give as much to this project as I would like to. And Deepa very quickly found my level of contribution, which was essentially, she would contact me and say, look, just we need a write-up here. Could you get this ready by this date? So that was my involvement. There are other people who are more deeply involved. I was sort of in one of the outer circles. And so my view on how well Impact DAO did relative to the DAOs we've studied is probably not, I probably don't have that perspective. So it'd be great to hear Deepa speak to that. Well, I would add to that then is Deepa was your point of contact with the DAO. And so that kind of gives credence to Deepa. You've really carried this on your shoulders, right? And that's how these things typically start out and bootstrapped. I think what we're most excited for with season two is really taking that out of Deepa's hands, where she does not have to be the main point of contact every time. The operations and what there is to do is available as a project initiator, I knew that I had to drive this initiative. And I wanted to do it the DAO way because I'm studying DAOs. It's good to experience one yourself. And then I thought we'll have, you know, living a DAO life will give us all these right questions to ask the DAO members that we are studying because these are the same problems they are going through and we're going through the same problems. How do you engage your community? How do you onboard? What kind of tools you use? It really gave us that real perspective into DAOs rather than just be bystanders and making observations from the outside. So that was one real advantage of going the DAO way. And I knew that since I'm the project initiator that I would have to really carry it on whether I'm left with one member or five members or 15 members or basically no members, this is a project that I initiated that I need to continue and bring it to closure. You know, so it was really driven by my desire to learn. And I'm so glad that so many people joined in this mission and were eager to study DAOs. And even though Seneca was never part of the core, core team, he's an incredibly valuable member of this DAO because he's written those incredible summaries for Bankless DAO. You know, every two weeks, a study results were getting published in Bankless, and Matthew, also known as Seneca, was summarizing those results for Bankless. He's also the editor-in-chief for the book, and during the last seven, eight days, it was just him and me working on the book. We were the pod, basically. There were three people initially, and then one dropped out, and it was just him and me. And having that time zone difference really worked well for us. So he's based in Korea, I'm in Canada, and so by the time I ended my day, his day was just starting, and we really got the book out on time, just continuously, 24 hours working on that book. What I realized is that every member needs to be treated differently. Like some people are highly valuable and have the right skill sets, but they might not want to be engaged in day-to-day -day operations because they are just busy with other things that's going on in their life. But then how do you keep them engaged and how do you find meaty roles for them, you know, something that excites them? And so that's the kind of part, the role that I played in the DAO is just understanding every DAO member, understanding their needs, their passion, and just finding the right fit for them. Yeah, great. I think what 
will be great about season two and what you've discovered with Wonderverse, right, is getting all those operations decentralized and the level of coordination that we can get going and the automatic onboarding process where someone can read about the book, get excited listening to the podcast, find us and start figuring out exactly what we need. And they start from that outside and start slowly earning that trust, getting more into the core. Seneca, what do you see as some of the DAOs that stood out with the most impact in your mind from season one? Who would you cast your vote for? Mm, I mean, if you don't mind, I'd rather not name a specific DAO because I think that there were just some general things which I saw as linking most of the DAOs that succeeded which I found very interesting because, you know, there are so many different areas of impact DAO. It's not like trying to become, I don't know, the like trying to get into the S&P 500 or something, because whichever direction you go in is the right one for you. So it's not like trying to become the biggest impact DAO. But specifically this thing around, actually, I, I wouldn't mind hearing Deepa's perspective on this as a boss, because I'm fascinated, sorry, as a leader, because I'm fascinated by this. Bosses don't survive in DAOs, but leaders are necessary. So if Deepa had been a boss to me, I wouldn't have stuck with it because I'm unemployable. Totally agree. <laughs> Whereas yeah. what a leader will do is to inspire people to want to contribute. Of course, there has to be the intrinsic motivation there. And I think that, I would guess, is a thread that runs through the successful DAOs. Every DAO that we studied was, one of the criteria was they had to be successful, as in they, they had to have got off the ground, they had to be sort of well on their way to making impact. So this leader, not boss thing for me was something that really impressed me, which I experienced just myself in my contributions to the DAO because it very much was a case of leadership. I was not in the Discord every day. It was very much deeper having to figure out, okay, how does this guy contribute? What motivates him? And she did that incredibly well. I would assume that that is part of the formula for success of a DAO. It doesn't answer the question which you posed, which is, okay, so what happens when deeper steps back? I mean, that to me is still an open question. I'm fascinated to see how that will play out. Well, there's only so much of deeper to go around. Right. What my hope is that there are too many contributors, too many people trying to come in from the outside, that it really is necessary, right, that the operations go beyond Deepa because she can only be a leader to so many people, the 150 person Dunbar effect. I think with Dow tooling, with all these Web3 things we've been studying, because the community has certainly grown. And now the first proving has happened. The book is out. It's published. There's a highlight for people to get attracted to us. I just can't wait until, you know, it's people are looking to impact our media members than Deepa because they've been with us. They understand the vision. They're in that trusted core and they're performing either just as good or greater. Than just to step back, to comment on that, we've had 22 active members who participated in the study. Discord has about 150 members. Out of those 22 members, a lot of them were engaged in phase one and two of the project, which was basically conducting interviews, doing research analysis, extracting quantitative data from those conversations and putting them in the spreadsheet, doing transcriptions. And then quarter three and four, which was basically just, you know, just compiling all the learnings, deriving insights, getting the book ready, was done by a totally different set of contributors. So in terms of contributors who've really stayed from the very start to the very end, I would say are just maybe three, 
three contributors, you know, out of the 22. It's very important that Impact Our Media continues to be efficient and have a clear-cut vision and a mission and be lean and be results-driven because a lot of DAOs sometimes forget why they exist and that they exist to get work done, but then they start focusing a lot on other peripheral stuff that goes into the DAOs about voting and about decentralization that sometimes work doesn't get done as is expected to get done. So I think that kind of the roadmap needs to be there. And I've worked on the roadmap and we've had one call with the team that's excited to go forward with Impact Our Media. And they're all in sync with the roadmap and how, what are the kind of content that we're going to be creating, how we're going to be structured, which is going to be more at pod level. Pod level is something that we've realized is the most effective way to get work done. Being in work streams and being in large teams, somehow people don't take ownership. Like there's a bit of a confusion, like who's actually the owner here. Also, given the nature that everybody is part-time, like everybody is very task-based, the ones who are actually putting in full-time work or are putting in certain number of hours have a better understanding of how what's the real health of the organization and how things should go on. So I think it's very important that there's a roadmap, there's a clear-cut vision, and after that, we decentralize at the pod level. You know, if there's a pod for podcasting, if there's a pod to make videos, if there's a pod to write, and there's an entire pod to basically have multiple formats of that book that we've already put it out, because the idea is to put it out in formats that people easily understand. As I said, some people are visual learners, some people love to listen and learn, and some people like to write. And some people just like short-form content, you know, nothing more than bullet points. So we need to put that book out in multiple formats so there'll be a pod taking care of that. And I expect that every pod has its own leader, right? Because it's important that there's a leader, not one leader, but multiple leaders. But then all that needs to be earned through trust, through continuously delivering you know it's all very based on outcome right like it's not based on vibes the impact our media till date has been running on vibes right like anybody in discord who put out their hand to get the work done got the work got the bounty for it and because it was a project-based work we never put in systems to do peer review of the work and many a times the work that got delivered wasn't up to the standard. And so being a full-time contributor, and a lot of it had to be reworked and redone. So I think we need to be more efficient. We need to put in more systems in place to just ensure quality, high quality contributors at the same time, keep things simple and just focus more on quality than quantity in terms of content creation. Like we have values defined as impact our media. We have a mission and vision. And as long as we pursue and permissionlessly keep moving in that direction, then I think we're all good. Yeah, that all sounds great. Seneca, for season two, what do you think you'll be looking to do? Some more of the same? Have you gotten a look at any of the new proposals for things we're doing? Or yeah, what are you kind of most excited about? This is the first conversation I've had with Deepa in a while. So I'm not actually privy to the plans for the next phase. So I'm it's probably not, not best place to answer yeah, that question. Nope. But I mean, I did, sorry, I did have just maybe to just backtrack a little bit. I, I'm curious to, so when you asked me like what, which DAO impressed me, one thing that particularly impressed me about Ukraine DAO was the interviewee really stressed the selective nature 
of their approach. I was trying to think about what's the main thing that I, I got out of the, the research, and it was finding out a lot of things which you think are true about DAOs are not actually true. So, for example, leaderless is a term which gets pulled out. Well, we just spent about, what, 15 minutes talking about the importance of leadership. Permissionless is a term which gets thrown around, and that has a technical meaning, but really, it's not just anyone. You can't just take anyone. I was speaking to somebody yesterday, this was somebody outside Web3, who tried to set up a couple of communities, which is the sort of the normie version of a DAO, you could say, and she is charismatic, dedicated, you know, she's got the goods, but she had to give up on both communities because people just didn't respond. She was chasing them all the time, and I'm sure Deepit had to do a lot of chasing, but there was no, it was just all kind of like, what have you got for me as opposed to what can I do? So the Web3 space, I think, automatically selects for people who have some kind of intrinsic motivations. That's good. And on top of that, maybe you need to think about, well, how do we ensure that the right people are involved? So again, I'm curious to know, because I never actually got a chance to ask Deepa about this, you know, how... What's your perspective on selection? Yeah, assessment is very important, I would say that. And this is something that I've learned over the last six months. And typically, you would go to Fiverr or there are so many platforms where you can go get a graphic designer or you can get somebody to edit your podcast. At Impact Our Media, we paid comparable rates to going to any of these forms when it came to giving the work out to a community. But as I said, everything was vibe-based and we didn't really do any kind of assessment. Moving into season two, we have a plan. And the way we are structuring ourselves is into three circles. The outermost circle being anybody who's interested in contributing and impact our media. And they need to earn a trust to move into the second circle of contribution, a second circle of contributors. But in order to earn their trust, they need to deliver on certain tasks. That's their portfolio, basically. Because when you go for an interview to any company, you need to show your CV, you need to show some projects you've done. But here, how do we do that? How do we determine that they are a good fit for our second level of contribution. So they need to show by doing certain things for us. And once they pass that quality filter, we move them into our second circle where they get certain rights, certain governance rights, not all rights. And so the rights that they get, and this is the tiered governance system that I'm advocating for, and this is based on everything that I've learned about DAO governance and voting so far, is that these people can now vote on things like who should be the next 10 DAOs to include in our study? Because our goal is that by the end of 2023, we should have at least 30 case studies. The book that we put out is a dynamic book. It's not static. We keep updating it. We keep updating the knowledge. Even in season one, we had a democratic process in terms of which are the 12 DAOs that we should include in our study. We only did decentralized democratic voting on two things in our DAO in the past season. And those were the two most absolutely critical things. One was... These are the 12 DAOs that we should include in our study and the budget. How should we budget now that we've received funds from Gitcoin? How should we allocate that money and how much should we pay for different tasks? On budgeting, we spent over a month. On deciding which 12 DAOs to include in a study, we spent another month. So these were the two most important things. Besides that, everything was very easy. Like anybody had any ideas, we just put it out on Discord. We discussed those ideas. We did emoji votes, you know, just to show support, like if you agree with it or not. That's how it's been in season one. But in season two, again, once they prove themselves and they 
come into our inner circle, those members will get certain rights, certain governance rights. For instance, they can decide the next 10 tasks to be included in a study or who should be invited on a podcast, things like that. And the innermost circle is the circle which is made up of core contributors. Core contributors are the ones that have put in sufficient amount of time in building our media. They are the ones you could compare. Maybe we need to figure out a minimum time investment, but they are the ones who are actually thinking all the time. They're not here just for part-time boundary-based work, but they're thinking, living, our media. And they are the ones who can decide on critical matters like budget or Right now, we're only doing, say, audio and video and written content. Is there another way, you know, should we create some other kind of pod to create a different kind of content? Should we host an event? Exactly. Things like that, you know, critical matters. And I feel like this is the way to go when it comes to DAO voting. Because we've studied 12 DAOs, and I've been in many DAO events by now. I was at the Daoist event in Bogota, I went for MCON, which is only DAO community that gathered in Denver. I participated in a lot of discussions around DAO governance and voting. And what I learned about governance and decentralized governance is that people have taken democracy to heart and they're obsessed with voting. And I got a pushback in my own DAO because in the middle, that's when Alchemist, I asked you to co-host that podcast with me on DAO voting because I got to hear from a member that we are not DAO enough because we're not voting enough. And I'm like, what does that mean? Because this is the first time I'm running a DAO. I have no idea. What do you mean that we're not voting enough? Because a lot of DAO contributors contribute at other DAOs and too, and they have this baseline understanding that in order to be a DAO, you need to put up a proposal on Snapshot. And you need to go vote on that proposal. And that's how decisions are made. But I'm like, we've been making decisions all this while. We've been just discussing ideas on Discord. And being a project-based, time-bound DAO with just one full-time contributor, now you expect that I sit down to write proposals, then go to Snapshot and get the community vote there. Like, don't you think we're just adding more processes on top of all the work we've got to do? Ideas are getting discussed and ideas are getting resolved. Like things are happening. There is community input. So what does decentralization then mean? You know, what does voting mean? The fact that we have a multi-sig and that I have to go to the multi-sig to get anything reimbursed for myself means decentralization enough, right? So what does that mean? I feel like everybody in the DAO scene needs to rethink decentralized governance. The way it's being done currently is not the right way, and maybe we need to have a tiered approach to governance. And Sorry, the, you go ahead. The other aspect of being bossless, I wouldn't say that you claim ownership over this project. It's open to new contributors always. It's just we're going to be systematizing that trust and that reputation process within our DAO now. And that that's how we become more exactly. efficient and more effective versus when you decentralize too much, then you dilute what little effort and energy and funds you have available. If it's too diluted, it's not going to get anything done. Unfortunately. That's right. I was just because I'm working on an article about DAO voting and the problem with DAO voting and what are the possible solutions. I've been doing a lot of reading and I've been reading with Alec Butrin's post he recently wrote a post on DAOs are not corporations, and he gave an example of Ukraine DAO. And he talked about pod-level decentralization. It was just nice to see that even, I mean, he's been thinking 
in similar direction. Like I never read his post before the we thought of doing pod level decentralization, but he talked about pod level decentralization in that post. And he gave Ukraine DAO's example because Ukraine DAO is completely volunteer run. Alona, the founder of Ukraine DAO, is the only full-time employee. She's thinking 24-7 about Ukraine DAO. Like that's her full-time job. She lives and breathes Ukraine DAO. She's the only paid member in that DAO. She gets a salary from the multi-sig. It's been approved by the other people on the multi-sig. So she's the only full-time member, only full-time employee, while everybody else is volunteer run. And the, the way Ukraine DAO is structured is that there are pods. There are these pods like media and literacy pod, fundraising pod. Based on whatever activities they are undertaking, they have these different pods. And whatever is the most active need at that point of time, that pod is active while others are just sleeper pods. They're there, but they're not really active. But they can get activated at any point of time. You know, there are members in that pod, but they're just not needed at that point of time. So there are all these pods, and then there's a core team. These pods kind of all relate to, connect at the core team level. And otherwise, they're totally decentralized, and they're endowed, and they're empowered to continue with their function. But then they all connect back to the core team. And Vitalik talked about how to then ensure decentralization at the core team level, because pods are decentralized, but then how do you bring decentralization at the core team level? He talked about bringing more diversity and just differences in opinions and different ways, but not really voting, you know, like not the traditional Tao thinking way of bringing decentralization. So... Seneca, did you have any more to add on pod-level governance, maybe bossless? I think for me, what's fascinating about this whole process of being in a DAO that is studying DAOs, which themselves are trying to figure out what is a DAO (laughs) themselves, it's so meta. And I think, you know, in these sorts of conversations that we're having right now, that's the process we are actually doing in this conversation still. Like deeper musing on Vitalik, you kind of reflecting what Deep is saying and this bossless thing, I never heard that word before, but that's a much more accurate description than leaderless. What Deepa just said, instead of decentralization by voting, maybe it's decentralization by diversity. That's another interesting way of thinking about decentralization. And what you said about decentralization dilutes the fun. So it's a balance you have to, to find. That's also really interesting. So like this whole space, it's so chaotic to kind of go back to the question I posed before. How do you select people? I think people who have an aversion to chaos really hate this space and won't try to come in, which I yep, think yep. may be good. But at the same time, what are we talking about? We're talking about, well, the need to put systems in place. Absolutely. And the sort of people who like putting systems in place are the people who don't like chaos. So maybe we need to become a little less chaotic so we can attract the systems type people. I don't know. Maybe there are lots of systems type people. On engineers, don't they think in systems? And this place is awash with engineers. So maybe this isn't a real shortage. I think it's also a question of autonomy. I think a lot more people just want to be told what to do and they want to be guaranteed what kind of compensation they're going to have. Everything needs to be very ordered for them to be certain to contribute. And I think how this space has been growing, at least initially, right, has been those people who have the faith. They have almost like a faith in the chaos and a hope and they're living on a prayer and a dream that one day their contributions will be you know, appreciated and they may or may not get any compensation, right? And I think that has been a lot of this impact. 
space especially i would say that in the impact space a lot of impact dows had the opportunity to fundraise on gitcoin and they're mostly very bounty based all for climate dow everybody who ends up doing anything for them gets paid in stable coin which is much better situation than a lot of dows which are paying in the tokens and those tokens right now barely have any value so basically all of them are doing free volunteer work in the hope that in the future the token will have some value the other thing is that a lot of impact dows do not believe in financial and they don't have a plan of ever launching a financial token but lucky for us that now we have solvan tokens in order space in berlin is building auto badges that's a way for building on chain reputation so i think this dow space is very new at this point of time everything is kind of an experiment people are learning and that's why i feel like that article that i'm writing about dow governance and voting and what are the possible good solutions is great because people can then learn from that article and apply some of those ideas suggested in terms of governance and decentralized aspect of the dao as we have these badges and solvan tokens non financial tokens systems built and more and more dao's using those systems then these contributors can build on chain reputation you know for instance impact dao media can award them a bad saying so and so person is a great writer and that person can then take the badge and go to bankless dao and say that's his or her on chain reputation and they don't have to prove themselves over again they just automatically brought into the circle and given a task to do so i think a lot of these things are getting built as we speak and auto space is one of the leading ones in terms of having these badges to authenticate people's skills also wonder was on impact dao media twitter spaces they talked about this feature that they're going to be launching soon which is basically giving an nft which is again you know a proof of work like that you've completed the work that was assigned to you through their decentralized task management system to the contributors and then the contributors the more they collect the more trust they earn you know from that dao it just helps them also build their on chain reputation because those nfts are then the proof that they've completed the work and that they've completed the work fine so kind of going off the otter space and wonderverse and then back to what you were saying Seneca about this meta conversation that's kind of what this podcast will be a lot more about is having that meta conversation where we're looking at ourselves we're looking at the impact dao space as a whole not just only the ones we're researching looking at what we can take and speaking of meta we're also going to be partnering with Meta Game and that outside contributor the people that are just initially getting onboarded gamifying the process of learning about impact dows and all the necessary knowledge you need one to maximize your impact first and foremost that's what we want to be mostly about and then two how do you contribute to us So as you collect course learning NFTs which we've got plans to release with 101.xyz so that's not you doing a bounty or you fulfilling what work is available it's perpetually available work we're always wanting people to prove themselves and prove that they've learned something from us and then there's also quest chains i think that will be a great way of doing non bounty specific work where okay if you retweet one of our twitter spaces one of our threads that is building reputation with us and that's building trust 
as you want to move further and further into the core of our contributors. It's important that when they move inside a pods that they also qualify to be fitting for that pod, you know, that they have the needed skill sets, like they should be able to host Twitter spaces, for instance, or ask the right questions or be able to write great content. I think skill-based assessment is still needed besides the commitment to impact. Media. Yeah, yeah. That comes at the inner yes. core. The outer core is how we reward and give opportunity to those people. That That's right. Just on DAO governance, I was re-listening to Klima DAO's interview with Marcus. So KlimaDAO launched as a DAO first. So the day they launched their protocol, they launched the DAO. And I was also listening to Proof of Humanity. We interviewed three people from Proof of Humanity, including this chief technology officer, the founder, and a developer from Proof of Humanity. All their learnings about DAO voting and governance is because they went the full decentralized way initially. What they have to say now is find a middle path, you know? Do not go fully decentralized and do not launch with one vote, one person. You know, one person, one vote, do not launch with that model because they had 16,000 people that they authenticated on their registry and each person automatically got one vote. So now they had 16,000 token holders voting on every decision that Proof of Humanity has to take. A lot of those decisions were around the protocol-based decisions, technical decisions. So imagine like a UBI holder, like an unconditional basic income token holder in Brazil, just an everyday person with no technical expertise is now expected to vote on matters like this. And they did employ delegate voting, you know, like the person could delegate his or her vote to the appointed officials who have better knowledge about the subject matter and these people then cast the final vote. Well, what they also experienced is that a lot of people weren't delegating their votes. They're just not interested at the governance level. They most likely didn't vote at all. They didn't. And they suffered from low participation. They didn't even delegate their vote. They didn't have to vote. All they had to do was, hey, I'm going to give you my vote and you vote on my behalf. But they didn't do that because they anyways have so much going on in their everyday life. They don't have the skin in the game, right? Absolutely. So they're not involved in their everyday operations. And this is a token that they seem to hold. But it's like how many times you are a shareholder of a certain company and you get a letter about certain changes. Like how many times do you... I know you put your money in there and you might want to read that letter, but sometimes you just don't have time to go through the details, you know? And you don't take any action. Kind of like the most recent Elon Twitter poll too. No one had skin in the game. There's no civil resistance, no reputation building with any of them. It's just a mess. Just going to take a quick moment of your time and thank our sponsor for this video. Me. IRL, I work for EXP Realty. So if you hit me up next time you're buying, selling, renting your home, you just want to create a little bit more impact with that transaction, hit me up. You'll really be helping support this show and the DAOs that I work with. If you would like to contribute to me directly and get some exclusive bonus content, perks, access, anything you want, you can go and subscribe to my Patreon at Alchemist. On the topic of voting, Seneca, have you ever heard of Joke DAO? Just the name. I don't know what it is. 
what is it? They make voting a game. And right. it's also not binary or just yes or no votes. It's people propose different options. And then you have a certain amount of joke Dow votes. That's another thing like what Deepa was talking about. Why does everyone get one person, one vote? There are obviously people with more expertise. There are people with more skin in the game, time in the Dow, contributions made. And all of those kind of things, they you can integrate with Otter Space if people have certain badges. All of that we can do to airdrop more voting tokens. Joke DAO, essentially they run a joke contest every week. So that's what they call it, is this is a voting contest. And you're awarding almost like ranked choice voting, but it's with a certain amount of tokens that don't have monetary value, which I think is a really big upside it's all based on your reputation and contribution within the DAO is how we can set it up. What's what's interesting about that is there have been these ideas and like alternatives to just simple voting, like various companies which have pioneered these sort of new age clever ideas, but the technology hasn't really been there to make them widespread. It's one of those things where blockchain provides a means of doing something before which would have been impractical. It's really exciting. And this thing around gamification, when you were talking about that earlier and also just now, that's interesting because crypto, you could argue that a lot of the problems we've had this year are just to do with the corrupting influence of, of financial incentives. I think that's a fairly un- uncontroversial thing to talk about. I'm not just talking about the scams like FTX. I'm just talking about the whole bubble-like frenzy, which is which has sort of come down. But gamification is interesting because it's extrinsic motivation, but people are not being rewarded with money. So people do not play Scrabble for money or Monopoly for real money. They give up whole nights of sleep to play games in which they actually spend money. And yet it's a real powerful motivator, nonetheless, which doesn't involve actual finance or at least financial incentives. If we can replace the money with dopamine or just to put it more positively, the desire to progress, the desire to grow, which is a very, very deeply rooted human instinct, and use blockchain to somehow underwrite that technologically. That would be an amazing achievement. Of course, we don't know exactly how it's going to work yet, but it's exciting to contemplate nonetheless. Yeah, we've got lots of ideas that we're working on and collaborating with Metagame, becoming a guild within their new houses. I think, just like what you said, giving some kind of extrinsic motivator that's not monetization because it's been so obvious how capture prone it is and how plutocratic DAOs become when it is the financial incentive that is the highest priority. Whereas I think what Deepa is looking for is that quality. And if we want to get quality contributors, if we want to up our game every year and kind of churn through the members that aren't necessarily qualified, get more qualified members, and all of that kind of be tracked and accounted for within a game format. Who's making the most contributions? Who's doing the most impact? Who's creating or curating the most community? That's what you can use, and that's what's going to lead to more opportunities within us. That's right. We're going to be gamifying a lot moving forward, especially for people who are just joining our community in terms of they fulfilling certain quests. What we've realized in Web3, and it's human nature, you know, to just collect things. And it just motivates them, you know, like you achieve a level, you want to move up the next level, right? Like just gamify everything. You want to flex that level, and you want to flex that collectible impact. Maybe you'd like to talk a little bit about metagame because I'm sure Seneca must be not knowing much about what metagame is. Metagame is also trying to gamify Web3 learning and onboarding process. Do you want to share a little bit about metagame? 
Yeah, so they are a massively online, massively multiplayer online coordination game versus role play game, right? And taking all of those principles, right, that we've learned from game design and from successful AAA level games, right? How do you make these things fun? How do you keep the player coming for more? How do you get them engaged? And how do you make that kind of work and contribution meaningful to the player? is a lot of what metagame is doing they just released their first version of meta os they are trying to metagame building metagame if that isn't too many layers of meta for you to comprehend so they're in the initial stages of that and we'll be implementing a lot of those operating systems like playbooks quest chains learning nfts proof of learning and all of that will be used to help decentralize all of our operations and help us ultimately scale to a much higher network effect than just what we have on discord that sounds really interesting so you're ready to create that meta impact and earn that meta token huh yeah it sounds i mean just more broadly coming back to the sort of people this space attracts it attracts people with ideas like the one you've just outlined which is why it's so exciting it's also scary because this whole thing is new territory right so we don't know how it'll work but the way that you're approaching it with metagame is to say okay yeah we admit that we don't know how this should be everyone needs to pitch in and help and one way or another we're going to figure out how to do this so i mean for me that's a case study of why this whole Web3 frontier is so inspiring. And also why, I mean, one of the things I loved about the Impact DAO project was it was explicitly not about what most people associate crypto with, which is how do we find the next big thing that's going to go to the moon or something. It's nothing to do with that at all. And for me, the interesting stuff is definitely elsewhere. It's not the exciting, how do I become a millionaire overnight? It's how does society overall become better through the actions of individuals? That to me is interesting. The internet has not made me rich, it's just made my life better. And Web3 can probably do the same thing through things like the project you just outlined. So it's it's all super inspiring. Awesome. Good to hear, man. I totally agree with Seneca, what he's saying about Web3. I think what's very exciting is that we are totally reimagining and experimenting with ways of collaborating on the internet. Right now, a lot of internet-based collaboration has been around consumption or, say, playing games. But DAOs provide a meaningful opportunity for people to spend time on the internet collaborating and uh, we're all figuring it out like nobody has written a book before and even our book is not prescriptive because we want everybody to design their own DAOs the way they think is more fitting for them but it just provides case studies and learnings from other DAOs that they can probably you know don't have to start at the base level but have a minimum understanding of how they could probably structure their DAO so nothing is prescriptive and that's the best part of it like everybody is experimenting and learning and learning from their mistakes and evolving and iterating and that's what's very exciting for me personally to continue to keep learning and understanding the space and keep sharing the knowledge because I think in the future, this is the future basically. People will be, you know, there will be default internet-based communities that are collaborating and coordinating to get work done. That's how the future is going to be. The future of work and future of doing good and future of organizing for causes and addressing big systemic problems. Totally agree, man. So any kind of final thoughts? Maybe Seneca, what are some ideas? What's maybe some things you didn't get to talk about or some big takeaway lessons? One of the things which you and I have chatted about deeper, deeper giving me some advice on 
a DAO-like entity that I'm potentially looking to set up in the impact space as well. This whole process has inspired me to go in this direction. The challenge, I think, for me is, I'm sure both of you would resonate with this, is sooner or later we have to go outside the Web3 space and start speaking to people who are not otherwise, by definition, it's never going to go beyond this group of enthusiasts. The challenge of how to do that, I think, for me, I mean, as a writer, that sort of that has to be the role of the written word. You can't code people with computer code. You have to code them with, with words and language and persuasion. So for me, that's the big thing on my mind because we can't just talk to each other forever. We have to in the initial stages. You know, We have to speak to people who you get it and who are prepared to do the building and blood, sweat and the tears. But how to persuade other people that there is something here beyond the whole monkey JPEG thing is for me the next big challenge that I'm thinking about. I'd be curious to know what you guys think is the way forward. Yeah, I think this is kind of it, putting a highlight on the non-financial return part instead of we're trying to transition crypto out of a, I think there's too much of a DeFi focus. It's a little bit myopic. It pays the bills. It certainly is very tantalizing to a lot of the capitalist class owners, but there's so much more tooling. And I think DAOs are where that space is especially growing. And I think they're doing so much live test study of how you work and coordinate online in a most decentralized, equitable, democratic manner. I don't think democratic is in the same sense anymore. It's it's more in the sense that, hey, we're all equal members of this, but I, I have to go through the meritocratic process of going through the pods, of going through the reviews and making sure my contributions are quality and all of that. But getting people in this space, I think it's going to take the content. It's going to take the written form. And then it's going to take getting this book and describing it in 60 seconds on TikTok, on YouTube. And it's going to take distilling and making more concise and simplifying a lot of the concepts and transliterating it into a lot of different people's contexts that will ultimately get people around where crypto isn't a get-rich-quick scheme. It's actually a more effective way and has many less obstacles and barriers to maximize your impact. There's just one example oh, there's a way that you can coordinate with so many people by creating a DAO and using these DAO tools. You can open a shared bank account and you can really equitably share in the process of starting up a business. That's highlighting all of that and distilling it into better digestible content, I think is going to be the move going forward for this space. I agree. I'm so grateful, Seneca, you could make it. It was very important to get your inputs and your voice in here because you played such a critical part. Like you weren't part of the everyday Discord contributor chat, but you've been very critical to the success of this project. All right. And that concludes episode one of Dowing Impactful Conversation. Hope you enjoyed yourself. If you did, please drop a like or go down and comment below. Next week, I'll be interviewing Peeth. If you would like to propose any questions, anything you want to ask him, you can do that using the joke Dow link below. And we're going to have a little contest. And if you want to find me anywhere else or you want to find Seneca, you can find him on Twitter at value underscore strat. 
You can find Deepa at Deepa Rocks or at her Substack Crypto Good. Make sure to check out Impact Dow's website, Metagame at metagame.wtf, Impact Dow's at impactdows.xyz. And if you want to get a hold of me, if you want to do anything with, I don't know, real estate related, if you just want to talk about DAOs or Web3 leftism, anything at all, you can catch me at beacons.ai slash alchemist. And that's spelled A-L-K-O-H-L-M-I-S-T, alchemist. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Dowing Impactful Conversations.